Is there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. You haven't started off the week until you've started it off with Dr. Rasha Bittar and Advanced Medicine Monday right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Dr. Bittar, welcome, my friend. Hey, Robert. Good to talk to you, as always. Yeah, it's a big week. Phoenix is coming up. Advanced Medicine Seminars. We're going to get more into that, preview it for all the doctors and laypersons that want to be transformed and empowered in ways that we try to do each week, and we do on the, on the air. But even more impressive when you get together in person with Dr. Bittar, it's sensational. Well, I appreciate that, Robert. It is a, it is a energetic shift for me as well, and I, I know that when you and I and, and some of the other speakers have been there, mm-hmm. the energy definitely is palpable. Yeah, and we'll get to that. We're going to talk about that today, of course, and of course, your calls, 866-939-BELL, 866-939-2355. Dr. Tarwood and I were talking off the air about uh, the Sandy Hook incident and all of the controversy surrounding it, all of the things that are opportunistic to try and do some form of gun grabbing or, uh, let's say, eh, that Second Amendment. It, it's overrated. It really, They didn't really mean it, especially not with the stuff that you can get today. And I know we've talked about self-defense. You've been in the armed forces. Your perspective on the Second Amendment, we know, I know, but, I mean, maybe you could relate it into what you've been observing about Sandy Hook. Well, you know, the first thing, Robert, is that before we even talk about that as a precursor, what's mm-hmm. really remarkable to me is, and I've, this is something that we discussed off the air, so I think it's important for people to know, because when we talked about the issue of Sandy Hook and we think about, well, what, that's not really part of Advanced Medicine Mondays, but you brought up the fact that, you know, if that's something that's of interest to you, yes. we should talk about it. And, you know, what I find so amazing is that my patients, we talk about this stuff. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, I had a new patient, first time I ever saw her, and we ended up talking about this. And she's asked me three times to send her the link to a video that my brother had sent me about Sandy Hook, which raises more questions than it answers. In fact, it's extremely disturbing. And you know, you and I intuitively don't need to see some of these videos. We kind of already know that this is a false flag event, this, that, whatever. But mm-hmm. then when you see a video that's an hour long and it gets point by point, issue after issue, st- statistic after statistic, fact after fact that shows and that, that this was anything but the truth and then starts to ask questions that have no answers. And if you follow those questions – it reads you right down a specific rabbit hole, mm-hmm. and conclusion that you reach is only one. Yes, yes. And that's disturbing. I mean, you it's saw the video disturbing. that I sent you, right? Yeah, it's very disturbing. And I, I, I liken this to Liam Sheff's official stories book. You know, he questions the, the JFK thing and so many other issues, medical and otherwise historical. And had we questioned these things the way we're questioning this event at the time, a lot of things wouldn't have happened the way they did in history. Because in many years, years ago, generations ago, decades ago, there was much more trust in the benevolence and goodwill and intention, good intentions of so-called investigators and government and maybe those shadows behind the government that you sort of suspected. But you could, you'd say, nah, that couldn't be. 
But now more than ever, just like we talked about last year, moving into this year, the transformation of consciousness, the opening of it, the lifting of some of the veils of illusion, we're starting to see through these events closer and closer to real time. Well, and, and the blatantness of how they've presented this information, too. I mean, the, uh, the example that just leaps into my mind, Robert, is mm-hmm. a picture of the one little child that they've covered a lot about. Of course, you know, this is a travesty if all these children died. But the question comes up, are these children really actually dead? Why is that? Why would anybody even ask that question? Why would even somebody challenge that? Because here is a picture of a family, a husband and a wife and their three kids. And one of their daughters was supposedly killed in this tragedy. Then they show the father getting ready for a press conference 48 hours after the tragedy, and he's laughing and he's smiling. And then you see this transformation because he didn't know the cameras were rolling, and he starts to breathe in and out deeply, and then he gets his voice going. But he was just laughing like 15 seconds before, and you can see that there's something going on. And the question is, why would somebody have to get into – uh, into mode or into a, a certain mindset before a press conference. And they show a couple of different families. Okay, well, that, all that you know, can be explained. But here's the thing that really got me. They show the family after the event with the two daughters and the parents and with President Obama because now the little girl's deceased. Then there's a picture of the same family with the same clothes on, but it's a picture that wasn't supposed to have gotten out with the supposed dead girl with President Obama sitting on his lap laughing. The president is laughing. And I'm thinking, this can't be doctored up. I mean, it's not like the kid is standing next to you. She's sitting on his lap. Now, either, either somebody's done a fantastic job creating this whole illusion, or somehow this picture got out that shouldn't have gotten out. And then you start looking at all these witnesses, the, the coroner and the man that said he saw these five kids and he was crying and you know, rescued them. All these questions that, are, that come up. And then you find out that these are all people that are part of an actor's guild. I mean, what is going on? Then you see the, the aerial shots of the ambulances that they kept a half a mile away from the actual events. Why would an ambulance be blocked off by black government uh, vehicles? I, I don't understand that. You know, it's like the, uh, step, a Stepford event. I mean, people are programmed. Uh, they're acting, uh, and I don't. I don't honestly have the detailed answers any more than than you do, except to raise the questions that need to be raised. And of course, when you're accused of asking questions that should not be asked, you know you're asking the right questions. You're asking the questions that need to be asked. And well, I'm not saying we're going to ever find out the end. A lot of these things are they go layer and layer and layer, as you said, deeper down the rabbit hole. Who knows where it goes? But we do know the end result. These series of events, and there have been a bizarre series of events, including the shooting at Aurora at the movie theater. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. In fact, Robert, bringing that event up, Mm -hmm. I want you to promise me that you're going to put that link to that video I sent you up so that the listeners can watch it. Because when I sent it to you, there were about 2 million people that had watched that video. About 36 hours later, one of my patients asked me to send him that link. I said, okay. I went and I sent him the link, and I just happened to go back and click on it to see how many videos, had, how many people had seen it. It had gone from over 2 million to over 9 million in less than 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think people need to see this. I don't want to belay this point, and I don't want to be the, 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 uh, <laughs> you know, the, the fly in the ointment here for anybody, but I've got to mention these two things. What you brought up just now about Colorado yes. and the same thing at this Sandy Hook event. Now, look, I was a sharpshooter in the military. I mean, I qualified as a sharpshooter. I was a captain of our rifle team in college. I can tell you that to hit 
a target, you know, there's certain components that are involved and in, in there's certain things that you practice and breathing is one of them. Now we've got a young man who has some type of a developmental delay, who has no experience with weapons, who goes in, supposedly in this place, with a long rifle, by the way. The coroner said that all the wounds were elicited by a long rifle. And there was no long rifles that were retrieved inside the school. The only long rifle was in the trunk of his car, which never was brought out. So they only f- found handguns in the school. But that's another point. And then in like less than four minutes, he shoots 25 small moving children? Well, How is that possible? No, th- this, to, this to me could only happen from my limited knowledge of that level of, of, of an ability to kill by a trained assassin. I mean, you in order to take that out in such a cold-blooded, rapid-fire way, it, it, you just couldn't get a kid that might have been on psychiatric meds to do this. Well, th- let's forget about the cold-hearted part for a second. I'm saying that it is physically impossible for one shooter to hit 20-some moving targets that are smaller. I mean, one of the things that they teach you when you're shooting a target, you don't want to shoot at the head, you want to shoot at the chest because it's larger, okay? Now you've got a guy that doesn't, hasn't ever handled weapons, that's delayed, developmentally delayed, excuse me for, I mean, I'm getting so flustered, yeah. and hitting moving targets that are small and hits 20-some of them in less than four minutes? I mean, that's just forget about the cold-hearted part. I don't think it's physically possible. I think if you send in a, a trained assassin, I don't think they could have done that in 25, 24 shots or mm-hmm. whatever it was in, in so many minutes. Well, again, yeah, this, this all this, and yet again, you have some experience, real-world experience, being as you said, a sharpshooter in the army. You 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 understand what it takes to do something like, or at least what you know what the capacity or capability of even the average soldier that's a good sharpshooter could or could not do. And, you know, some people may say, well, of course, the targets weren't that far off, this, that, the other. But I'm still telling you, you have to have some experience with weapons. And this kid didn't have any. And and it's no coincidence that Connecticut was coming up for their passing of the law about the, you know, the Second Amendment issue. And mm-hmm. it's just it's just too it's just too weird. I mean, it's just I'm sitting here laughing because I don't know what else to do because it's so preposterous. Yeah. Well, listen, if, what's the end game? What's the end stage? Now, if you want to disarm a population especially one that is entrenched in gun culture as the American uh, culture is because it's the foundation of a nation born out of revolution, of overthrowing a king, a monarchy, a tyranny. You're going to have to do something so atrocious that it would make even the most hardened, committed people to, let's say, owning, keeping and bearing arms for defense to abandon it. Something so atrocious and outrageous that even they would. What would that be? If you think about this, think about terms of being a nefarious schemer, a a diabolical agent of doom and death. You would have to say, who could we go after? Let's go after children. Let's slaughter them. This is the kind of thought that the criminal mind has at this level. What is our end goal? Our end goal is to get people to voluntarily give up their guns and make those that do not Look as if they are a criminal. Look as if they have intentions that are bad and evil, even though they don't. The fact is, all we need to do is shape public opinion enough that we can overwhelm even the culture like America that is steeped in the right to keep and bear arms. And that is the entire essence, Robert, what you just said so eloquently. That is the entire essence of what the public has to understand and realize. You and I have talked about this on the air, off the air many times that – Everything that's happened all over the world could not happen in the United States for one simple reason, and that is because the civilian population is better armed 
than the government. And they would be that I have always told people that, it, it, that there's no way that the U.S. will ever fall underneath a dictatorship or in, underneath some of these other nefarious things that have occurred in other countries because the citizens of the United States are well armed. They will never allow it to happen. And that is exactly the point here that you just made that the only way for them to do this is to get rid of the citizens that are the militia, the, the original militia. Right, right. And it, what we have to do is gather public opinion of those who are malleable enough to start. I, I remember the invasion of the body snatchers. Remember that old sci-fi movie? I think uh, Don yeah, yeah. Sutherland was in that one original. They remade it. But the point is, you know, in your sleep, they took over your body. And, you know, at a certain point, they knew who was one of them and wasn't would point and, you know, say, get there, not us. And the idea is that kind of control turn people into unconscious. It happened while they slept. While you, there's a lot of things that that aren't imitating life here that I see. Now, I wrote this last week. The gun control debate rattles on in the old media with nary an agreement in sight when it comes to the so-called left right divide. And I would ask, can we rise above this Hegelian dialectic? This is how we're divided into, again, political divisions, whatever you want to call it, skin color issues. It's always been the way it's played by the elite. Often overlooked is the fundamental starting point, rights versus privileges. As horrific as any criminal shooting is, like Sandy Hook, it must be separated from any individual right to keep and bear arms. Now, we go to CNN, we see Piers Morgan. He continues to assault the psyche by narrowly focusing on the discussion as to what type of scary gun was used. Like he said, AR-15, AR-15. It wasn't even used, but he keeps saying it because you want to avoid the talk about rights. Why? Because it would, it would absolutely devastate the agenda of disarmament. And this is the key point, Dr. Batar. I know you agree with this, but your rights, my rights, are not dependent upon whether someone else uses their rights in an irresponsible or even homicidal manner. Absolutely. Amen. Robert, you are absolutely right. And this is the thing that needs to be beaten into the politicians' heads. But they're not relying upon the public having common sense. No. What they- you just said is, the, is such an important component. If, if that is ignored... That means that every alcoholic that has gotten behind the wheel of a car mm-hmm. and killed somebody should negate the right of every person to drive a car. Yep, yep. And I say this, would you give up your right to free speech just because some numbnut yells fire in a crowded theater? See, that, if everybody starts thinking this way, Robert, mm-hmm. the way you just stated, the way that I'm thinking, yep. they wouldn't. What, what would they do? They, they couldn't do They're anything. Done. They're done. That's why the argument is to not discuss the principles, the common sense, the rights, what we're talking about here on advanced medicine money. This is serious advanced political medicine. It's all about freedom, the freedom to heal. And we got to take a break, Dr. Batar. Oh, shucks. I thought we were just going to keep on going, Robert. <laughs> well, we got some momentum going into the break. Say thanks to all our sponsors. Remember, Phoenix coming up. We'll talk about the advanced medicine seminar Friday and Saturday and a little bit more on this discussion of rights versus privileges and things that are not discussed anywhere else in the old media. Right here with Dr. Batar on Advanced Medicine Monday. We'll be right back. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? The Robert Scott Bell Show. bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. 
I have confirmed that the video did open. We have the links up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. That was uh, what Dr. Vitar was referring to, although there is a warning before it that it could p- p- offensive. People have complained about it, but as of now, it's still up. If you can't get it, we'll, we'll find another way. But you do want to take a look at it. It's not easy to watch, but it is something that is very important so that we are not deceived into abandoning that which makes us human. And that is the ability to question the, the worst things that you don't ever want to question and the ability, of course, to maintain our rights as granted to us by that which created us all. Again, a far higher place than government where they come from. But the question is, can you defend your rights? Do you think they'll just lay you can lay down and they're still there? Is that is that how you you think that's going to be? I mean, there are people in history that have warned us, told us differently. You know that, Dr. Batar. Absolutely, Robert. In fact, you know, it brings to mind a quote, and it's one of my favorites, and I just pulled it up while you were just talking. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a quote by District Judge James Aglerfee in a case, United States versus Johnson, which was a case that was heard in 1947. And I'll just read a part of it. The privilege of freedom is neither accorded to the passive resistant nor the person who is ignorant of his rights, nor to one indifferent thereto. It is a fighting clause. Its benefits can be retained only by sustained combat. And then it goes on to say, the one who is persuaded by honeyed words or moral suasion, rather than make a last-ditch stand, simply loses the protection. Mm. And this is something that people have to understand, that there were people two, three hundred years ago that lost their lives standing up for the freedom that we take for granted. There are people that have supposedly in the last two, three, four, in fact, daily, even up to this point in in Afghanistan and in Iraq and in other places that are losing their lives under the pretense of supposedly protecting our freedoms, yet they are being put into harm's way because of some type of political agenda, not because of the actual cause of freedom. The actual cause of freedom is right here in our backyard that's being stolen from us and we have sent our sons and our daughters across large bodies of water under the pretense of standing up for life and liberty and God and freedom and yet it has nothing to do with them losing their lives over freedom. It's losing their lives over some type of political agenda and while right here in our backyard just stealing our own freedom. Yes. And case in point, one thing that's so close to our existence, Dr. Batar, is what we'd call medical or health freedom. The freedom not only of, of doctors and health care providers and healers of all kinds to help people that are in need, but the freedom of the people in need to seek out the help that they desire without government intrusion. And we've already lost those rights. Those have been gone for a number of generations now over the span of the 20th century. And, you know, Robert, I hate to like carry this into the next into you know furthering this lane of uh, traffic that we're going down right now or this avenue that we've decided to pursue in today's show yes um, i know we should probably divert it back to something that's more relevant to medicine but you know again talking about soldiers mm-hmm. we have experimented on our soldiers gulf war syndrome is all based upon the vaccinations and the course of therapies that were done in the um, mode of prevention and the way they were stacked and then the exposure to certain chemical agents while in those areas of deployment, I mean, it's catastrophic. And you start looking back. I've had two people contact my office in the last probably five years because of 
Agent Orange poisoning that they were exposed to during Vietnam and, and mm-hmm. maybe before in Korean War. I don't know. But the point is, this is not new where our own soldiers have been exposed to different types of chemicals, different types of poisons, different types of uh, therapies supposedly to prevent them from getting injured. And yet they're actually detrimental. And in fact, there was a movie called Jarhead that came out a couple of years ago, I guess maybe about five, ten years ago. And in that movie, there's a scene where the sergeant tells all the soldiers to take this pill and they're all lined up. And I guess this was during the Gulf War. And, you know, they put the pills in their mouths and then the sergeant walks around. They have to they have to drink and then they have to open their mouths and the sergeant has to look in their mouth to make sure that they swallowed the pill. Mm -hmm. And as the sergeant passes the hero of the movie, I don't remember who the actor was. The actor turns around and spits the pill out after he's had his mouth inspected. Mm-hmm. Now, even when you get into entertainment and they're showing the same type of agenda, I mean, they are hidden messages in these movies. If anybody thinks that I am, you know, embellishing here, mm-hmm. watch a movie that was done in the early 1980s, I believe in 1983 or 85. It had Bruce Willis in the movie and the movie was called Mercury Rising. And get this. The movie is about an autistic child who breaks the national security code and the government, our government, is after this kid. And the movie is called Mercury Rising. Yeah, remember we talked about that before. I mean, there are some things that are so bizarre in, in the media, in movies, and we've only been seeing them even more so concentrated recently and, and related to Batman and Aurora and Sandy Hook. So many things that even John Rappaport, who's covered these things for many years as an investigative reporter, was scratching his head going, this is just even bizarre by my standards to see the level at which these these strange things, that some of which we've discussed today. And, of course, will likely be uh, lambasted for covering it by some, not so many in our our existing audience, but that's how they they take on Alex Jones and others, even Mike Adams. They criticize for asking the questions, pointing out the inconsistencies, that which is incongruous. And, of course, we should all be doing that. We should all become Sherlock Holmes on all of these levels. And, of course, as it relates to our health, that's you know what drives us primarily. But without the health freedom, that's why I see the alignment in all of this. There can be no freedom. And, of course, the experimentation on our troops, on the people, on people of, of the nations of, of Africa, where they sent all the, the heavily mercury-laden vaccines as they removed some portion of it, not totally, as we've talked not about. Just, not just Africa. Yeah. It, Robert, they sent it to China. They mm-hmm. sent it to India. India. Pakistan. All, all the third world countries got them. In fact, yeah. you know, when we were talking about the Chinese toys coming back with lead poisoning, remember I told you that I think they're just returning the favor. Yeah, it was a karmic loop. Yeah. But the refreshing thing for me, Robert, is seeing like this video, whoever took the effort to put this research together, Mm -hmm. put all these facts together and put it into a video so that everybody else can see it. And there are more and more people that are out there that are questioning. It's not just you and me and certain other people. It's all over the place. And that is that transition we talked about from 2012 to 2013. I see so much more happening and so many more people asking those questions. So many more people saying, "Okay, I want to know. And they're asking those hard questions. Yeah. And this is where I say, if you want to know, go to the Advanced Medicine Seminar in Phoenix this Friday and Saturday coming up, and you will get questions answered that uh, you didn't know that, uh, I'm not going to say that they were so easy to answer, but you'll see it so rooted in common sense. As we talk about these 
concepts of, of liberty in a way that I believe simplifies it down. I don't mean dumbs it down. I mean simplifies it because it's purposely made complex by those who don't want you to get it. And it's the same thing in medicine. You've done that, Dr. Batar. You've brought it down to the simplest of level that sometimes the doctors scratch their heads and say, wait a second, how can it be that simple? They're, they're almost overtrained. Their mental bodies are overcompensating. You know, it reminds me of this surgeon that came to me and uh, getting his history, and I think we may have discussed this previously, Robert, but I think it was off the air. I don't think it was on the air. Mm -hmm. But long and the short is, as I was getting his history, he told me that he'd had a cholecystectomy done, a removal of his gallbladder. Oh, right, yes. Was it, I don't remember, was it on the air or off the air? You think it warrants it to bring it up real quick again? Yeah, no, no, it's a a good story to bring up, and even if we have talked about it once, it's okay. Well, it was really interesting because I asked him, what was the reason for the cholecystectomy? Did you have a height of scan down? He said, yeah. I found the functioning was down to like 15%. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, and I'm writing this down, I mean, he said, matter of fact, okay, yes, you do a height of scan, you have, you know, gallbladder's not working as well as it should be. It's usually 50, 75% compromise. And so then we talk about taking out the organ. And it's a normal thing. And I'm writing this, and all of a sudden it hit me. Wait a second. We've got an organ, and it's down functioning by 85% in this case. It's only 15% functioning. And what do we do? We take it out. Take it it's to zero. Same. It's yeah. only that much. And so what, instead of trying to boost it up, we just took the whole thing out. Mm-hmm. I came to this realization while I'm writing the chart, and I just started to stop. I locked up, and tentatively, I looked up at the surgeon, and he just came to the same exact conclusion, yeah. the same realization. It hit him. I mean, the guy was a general surgeon. He'd probably taken out a 1,000 gallbladders. And he looked at me with this blank stare like, wait a second. What have I been doing my whole career? Because it's, it's a normal thing. When in doubt, cut it out. Heal with steel. Here is a gallbladder. It's only down you know, 85% functioning. And instead of saying, okay, we're down to 15%, let's get it up to at least 20 or 25%. Now let's take it out and go down to 0%. Yeah. The aha moment, the light bulb moment, the shift in consciousness, whether you want to say it's a 100th monkey, something happened at that moment. And you can never go back. And we don't. We go forward here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. We're going to take a break here. Dr. Rasha Bittar is with me as my co-host. As he is every Monday to kick off the week in iStyle with Advanced Medicine Monday. A lot of the archives, in fact, all of them, they're at medicalrewind.com. We've got the links to the nine steps to keep the doctor away, the international bestseller. If you haven't gotten it, that means you're a new listener. Must get it. We've got the links to that as well. Whole host of other things we need to discuss. I don't know how much time we'll be able to cram everything in, but we'll talk a little bit more about the Advanced Medicine Seminar coming up in Phoenix. Also, we had a great question from a listener, fascinating uh, medical issue we'll get to as well. So stand by. We'll be right back. The Robert Scott Bell Bell Show. Taking on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. Remember, this is the week. Go to advancedmedicineseminars.com. It's linked up in the show notes today at robertscottbell.com. You can go right there. Phoenix, Arizona, coming up Friday and Saturday. Doctors and laypersons, welcome. Doctors both days, and you will be richly rewarded. Everybody that's gone been glowing, the reviews, and, of course, been able to attend a couple myself. And Dr. Batar, I just need a refresher reminder, especially for any of our new listeners that might be considering coming to Phoenix and the kind of things that they will learn what you do with them. Well, Robert, I'm going to be biased, obviously, if I start talking about this, but I would turn the question to you and say that since you've been there, mm-hmm. what did you find the most compelling thing for the doctors and for since you attended both days, what did you find the most compelling? 
Well, I, I found the, the open dialogue that occurred quite organically with all of the information shared from the highest level again on the first day with uh, the medical focal point too. But any, any holistic healthcare provider can attend. That's, I just don't want to limit anybody thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not an MD. I'm not a DO. I, I really can't get. No, no, no. You're a naturopath. You're a homeopath. You're an herbalist. Uh, you know, any of these things that is involved with you helping somebody to heal. We've even had, we've even had uh, a holistic veterinarian that, yes. that attended the medical section. Right. Yes, and, and what we see in the transition to the second day when everybody is open to w- and welcome, and so the vast majority of our audience here plugs in, even if you've never, been a, uh, never even thought of yourself as a healer. You're just in it because I want to learn something for myself. I'm ailing. The thing well, is, it, you know, yes, go ahead. I just wanted to say that it, just to bring that point home, the message of this show has always been the power to heal is yours. Mm-hmm. And that's really the embodiment of what we're doing at the seminar. Yeah. And, and it brings it to life in all the multi dimensions that can sometimes only happen when you're there in the presence of the folks that come with you, uh, Jim Hover and others that come in. And what you're getting is, is this opening. It's these, these aha moments, just like you described with the surgeon. But it's happening in real time and almost constantly throughout the two days. So many of these things occur. And, of course, you get to share your passion, more of the stories that you have time for, because we don't have to break for commercials occasionally, even though we do it less than (laughs) we used to do it on terrestrial radio. So it it makes for the flow that is just so dynamic. And people's when I say people's lives are changed, it is not an exaggeration. That's not a sales and marketing term that I've I've, kind of put up my finger to the – no, this really happens there. Well, we saw that uh, lady that – Drove 33 hours from Idaho, if you remember. Yes. And her daughter and what happened with her. I mean, some, I don't know whether we talked about some of those components, but, you know, they were, they were tears shed at both of those conferences. And it may have been after a session or between a session, but they were tears that were shed. And those were tears not of sadness, but of uh, reestablishment of hope. Mm-hmm. And, again, I'm biased because – this is something been, that's been a long goal of mine to start doing. And yes, they haven't been as big as I would like, but they are going to be, they're steadily getting bigger. Yes. And that's what the whole thing is. It's a, it's a movement. Mm-hmm. And I, all I can say is that every time that I've come away from one of these things, my energy level is higher. My uh, thought process is sharper and I can feel that there have been other people in that room who have also reached that aha moment, Robert, that you mm-hmm. mentioned. Yes. Or, or that a paradigm shift, if you will. And, you know, it's also a great opportunity, obviously, to see you and to see some of my other close colleagues. But it's so much bigger than that for me. And I know it has been for you, too, because you told me after the first one in, in Philadelphia that you didn't expect it to be that way. It, it was different than you, what you had expected it to be. Well, listen, I've been to many seminars over the years, medical and otherwise, and it, very few of them have the consciousness, the heart that is, is probably as, as important, if not more important, than anything you talk about medically. <laughs> because, you know, you could go, you could even self-teach on this. You could read, you could find this stuff, but to bring the heart of healing— and the, the, you know, stepping back and recognizing that any one of those people that come to this or everyone, in fact, healers in their own right, whether it be just focal pointing on their own lives or it, it, they just start seeing the weave between themselves and everything else. And you, you talked about veterinarian medicine. I mean, it, it doesn't matter if it's breathing. It will benefit by attending. Well, Robert, you played actually, I think, uh, 
a voice message from one of those people that attended. I think it was from the the lady that came from Idaho, the one that drove mm-hmm. thirty three hours. Yes, I'm not. I'm not Sure, I think you did play it on there, or did you just play it I for me? I think we did. I think we yeah. did. Yes, but there were there were a number of different things like that. And I've, I actually got a message from it came through our ticket system, came through one of the people that had uh, attended. I believe it was a Houston seminar, mm-hmm. and it was a very very short email. I don't, I, you know, obviously I don't have it in front of me right now, but the essence of it was thank you for letting me know and allowing me to see that everything that I needed was within myself mm-hmm. and. And I've already started feeling that improvement. And, of course, they were talking about that one little plan that we give everybody. You know, you know I'm yes. not going to go – I'm not going to give you it away. you got to go there to get it. But that's – yes, absolutely. Exactly. And, and that plan, just by enacting upon that plan. Now, I, it's really interesting that I just had a patient yesterday that I've been treating a child who um, came from Ireland. Mom and dad brought him from Ireland. They just left to go back to Ireland, uh, in fact, today. And um, – it was the same type of situation. I, I saw her, you know, the child is a patient of mine, but I saw the mother. She scheduled during the five weeks that they were here, she scheduled an appointment for herself. And she came in and she, you know, shut the door and, and we started talking. And about 20 minutes into it, she broke down. And she told me, she said that I, uh, you know, I'm, I was ready to end it. And she said, I just, it was just so, so difficult. And she's explaining all these things. And of course, I'm not going to go into all the details of what she shared with me, but it was a tremendous amount of burden that she was under. And then she told me how she, you know, how her husband actually discovered the option. I mean, this kid, we've got before and after pictures, Robert, you won't believe it. The, the kid's face looked like it had been third degree burned. I mean, literally his eczema and the level of uh, uh, inflammation and erythema that he, this child had constantly itching the parents can't sleep because they got to keep the kids hands down they had the kids on every type of antihistamine steroid you name it and the kid was getting worse and worse and worse and the picture that we took day uh, yesterday i mean he's not all the way better but it is night and day and m- the parents were so ecstatic that his add his uh aut- he's on the autism spectrum delay he's understanding stuff they can go to a restaurant he's not clawing and itching and pulling everything they said that they were ecstatic with the, the with the results now the reason i'm bringing this up is because the what what even though i was treating the child the mother decided to come in as a patient and just with our conversation and allowing her to understand and i told her a plan i gave her the plan the plan that you know very well and i told her just start i i just went through the same thing i did at the seminar and i, I had one of the aha moments during that visit with her that wait a second you know, this is the same plan. I'm just telling her to do it, and it just needed that push. So yesterday when I talked to them, as they're getting ready to exit, go back to Ireland, they're going to be back in a couple months, I just asked her on a side because, again, my visit with her was alone, one-on-one. Now I'm with the, the son, mm-hmm. the original patient, the father, and her and the wife. And I said, by the way, uh, how's everything going? Were you able to start that plan? And she looked at me, and she had a huge smile. She said, my life is totally different already. Mm. Husband blurts out, you know, I can't believe she's already started doing this. Just It was one thing. Yes. yes. Just a simple thing. For God's sake, it was so simple that, you know, and off the air, I'll tell you, Robert, but again, I don't want mm-hmm. to take away from the seminar either, but it was just that one simple, so insignificant, you would think. Yes. Flipped her whole life over. Well, this may be the answer to to your prayers. Honestly, uh, you never know. But if you're so compelled and drawn to it, that's why I wanted to have Doctor Batar share a little bit more about it. It is really exciting and dynamic. The one coming up uh, this Friday, the 25th, and Saturday, the 26th, in Phoenix, Arizona. The links are up at robertscottbell.com in the show notes. 
doctors and holistic healthcare providers, everybody's welcome. Come together and watch the dynamic healing take place. And if you can't make it to this one, a couple of months later, it's going to be in March in San Francisco, the 15th and 16th. And then in July, I believe, well, I, I'm skipping Chicago. I'm sorry, May in Chicago. But in July, it'll be back in Charlotte, your hometown, or closer to there. And that's going to be huge. I have this sense about what's going to happen there. Robert, I don't want to, I don't want to, I appreciate everything you're saying, and I don't want to take away from it, but I have to put in a disclaimer. Yes. I am biased, okay? So yes. take that for what it's worth. I'm just saying that it's I'm okay. biased about it. I'll vouch for the bias because I've participated and seen it, and it, it's it's absolutely true what you're talking about, the way you're getting it. So let's take a quick break here. We've got a, a listener email we want to respond to. Interesting kind of Sherlock Holmesian question we got to go into an ailment. But I think by relating these things, it could help other people in other situations. So stand by for that. You're listening to Advanced Medicine Monday, Medical Rewind on the Robert Scadabell Show, which we do every Monday with Dr. Rasha Bittar. You're listening to the Robert Scott Bell Show. in the health world through the power of radio it's the robert scott bell show all right with the little time remaining here with advanced medicine monday and dr Vitar, uh, we gotta go right to the uh, email question and this this comes in from uh, shoshana shani she said i was just introduced to your show about a month ago listening to your shows gives me hope for my health conditions when traditional medicine doesn't i was wrongly diagnosed with adult onset asthma for over 14 years i've been progressively getting worse and have been suspecting i don't actually have asthma I finally found a doctor. Finally, finally, she says. I finally found a doctor who took me seriously and led me to a correct diagnosis. I have something rare called subglottic stenosis. So have you heard of this one? Yeah, yeah. Subglottic stenosis. She says now even the natural doctors don't want to touch it. Everyone just sits back and says, just go for surgery. Here's the problem. Subglottic stenosis, and this is what she said, relating to us here. Stenosis is inflammation of the trachea. Most women, mostly women have it, an overwhelming majority. Many women go for surgery after surgery, and it comes back unless they have very major surgery, and that doesn't even always work. It's big-time expensive, and every time you have one, it, it's very risky. Of course, that's true. Many people who have this condition got it from a breathing tube injury or injury to the neck area. Uh, these people tend to recover the quickest. We know why. That's an injury. But those of us that have what they call idiopathic subglottic stenosis don't know what caused the issue. So she wants to know, what can we do to help? Well, Robert, <clears throat> this is actually a surgical condition, and subglottic stenosis, as she said, it's, it's idiopathic subglottic stenosis is the largest subsection of subglottic stenosis, and you know what I have always said with any diagnosis that starts with idiopathic, it means that we don't know what the hell is going on, and so to cut into that situation is absolutely absurd. And subglottic stenosis is a diagnosis of exclusion, which basically means that they can't find really what it is, and so they'll end up giving it that diagnosis. If she's been misdiagnosed with asthma, asthma is a, is a distal type of condition where the bronchioles are going into spasm. Subglottic stenosis is more of a proximal issue. It's actually um, compromise of the airway you know, further up on the uh, tree, uh, the, the, the the trachea, but further yes. up on the tree. If you look at, if you think of the bronchus and the bronchial, mm -hmm. uh, all, all the areas of the lungs, and you look at the trachea as a trunk of the tree, and the bronchus as bifurcations of larger limbs, and, the, and then the bronchioles and all everything else, the alveolar areas as the leaves on the tree. It's an upside down tree. So what I'm talking about is that this is going back up onto the trunk area. Yes. 
And <clears throat> I would question if it truly is subglottic stenosis because subglottic stenosis truly is a post-traumatic type of condition, as she said. And when they give that diagnosis to people that have hadn't had trauma, it really is because they don't know what it is. Right, they, yeah, that's what it sounds like because she acknowledged that the, that the other cases, which was injury-related, it's acute inflammation. Right. It's an acute injury. It's damage, and we know how to recover that. But if we're talking about chronic inflammation of anywhere in the body, we got to come back to the, all the things you've written about and all the things we talk about. Right, exactly. And that's one reason I don't think this is really subglottic stenosis. I would find it very difficult to believe that it's subglottic stenosis that didn't have a traumatic etiology behind it. And so, you know, coming back to what you just said, if it's inflammation and it's causing this, I would first question, is it just in the subglottic area or is it in other areas? And it's probably in other areas, probably throughout the trachea and other areas. Mm-hmm. Second, I believe she's got mercury and mercury toxicity causes asthma it causes i mean i've had so many cases with just pulling out the asthma all of a sudden the breathing gets better this yes. child i was talking about from ireland mm-hmm. okay ha- i didn't even know the child was on asthma medication he was on so many medications he's had a diagnosis of asthma and the mother said he's off all his asthma drugs he's off all his asthma inhalers in five weeks and all we've been doing is you know of course we've been pulling out the metals out of him like crazy because he came with uh autism spectrum delayed diagnosis and of course he had metals etc etc right but he's off all his inhalers now metals cause inflammation and especially in that area she's just more genetically predisposed to having it affect that area so the first thing is removal of the heavy metals removal of the persistent organic pollutants the seven toxicities we've talked about and the the, the subject of the book Mm -hmm. and then of course there's many things that you and i have talked about that are that help to contribute to decreasing inflammation one is the uh, omega-3 fatty acids, the krill oils, you know, reducing yes. the the entire cascade of um, this inf- inflammation cascade. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's so many other things that, that – well, go ahead. I don't want to Oh, take- you know, th- this is – and she says she's a, uh, an active mom of a two-and-a-half-year-old and a 15-month-old. And now I wonder, does she have mercury amalgams? I mean, if we wonder where the exposures are, there are many exposures in the environment, some more direct than others. Uh, but, you know, to, to affect the upper trachea in that point – uh, why that specifically, if that indeed is the case. Now, reducing inflammation, we talk about it. There are homeopathic medicines that will address bronchial and tracheal inflammation. I can mention some. I would also nebulize the silver because we know it downregulates certain inflammatory cascades to injured or inflamed tissue. And if there's an infectious agent there, of course, that would neutralize it as well. So we can do things to immediately see how we can impact localize the tissue. But that doesn't negate what you just said about the seven toxicities. We would do that either simultaneously or in sequence. In sequence. Absolutely. In fact, that the, the nebulization of the silver is such an effective method at for so many things. You know, for uh, um, a pharyngitis, a mm-hmm. tonsillitis, um, yes. a sinusitis. Any type of upper respiratory infection for, mm-hmm. I mean, just those things are, it's so incredible how well it works. Uh, I can't even tell you. It's something that we swear by. Uh, I always use silver. Mm-hmm. I use hydrogen peroxide and water combination. Yes. And I'm telling you, it just looks, it's fantastic. So that's a great suggestion too. Yeah, these are simple things. And and uh, we're not saying, Shani, that that will be the only thing you need to do. But as you say, the big picture is what is with the terrain in your body? Why is this happening? When it's idiopathic, of course, we know the physician's really not trained to look at the terrain in the way we talk about it. I mean, they may be good at saying, hey, look, we've identified inflammation here. Well, great. whoop de frickin do Now what do you do, right? 
That's why she's asking the question of us because she knows this is where we are getting this information out. And if you can attend the Advanced Medicine Seminar, whether it's this in Phoenix or whether it's in San Francisco, Chicago, Charlotte coming up, I would encourage you, Shani, and all your friends to come on down and do it as well because you'll get right to the source of the information. And, you know, one thing, Robert, I'll just tell you that mm-hmm. the, the subglottic stenosis presentation, and she's saying that she's chronically getting worse, I can't tell you how many people that we've treated just for their metals where mm-hmm. their ventilation, their respiratory conditions have completely negated from recurrent bronchial infections and pneumonia two, three, five, ten times in a year requiring a pulmonologist to do bronchoscopies on a periodic basis to dislodge the plugs that are of mucus that are plugging up the person uh, just by getting rid of the, the mercury and the, uh, the rest of the metals their entire system came back online. And so, and I'm talking specifically about respiratory conditions, you know, mm-hmm. um, asthma, reactive airway, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, bronchitis, whatever, you, whatever it was. So I would suspect that if she finds a doctor that can effectively, and that's the key operative word, that effectively remove the mercury. If you're getting a doctor that's going to use DMSA, that is not an effective way of removing Mercury, in my opinion, and I, I stopped using that over 15 years ago because of the uh, other problems, and, and DMSA is not a true chelator. That's another topic. I won't get into all that. Sure. Well, we're about out of time anyway. I mean, this is how fast Advanced Medicine Monday goes. Well, uh, we, we should probably shouldn't have talked about uh, Sandy Hook as much then, huh? Oh, no. I think it was important. <laughs> we shook some cages and, and rattled them out, and then we should. We want sh- the consciousness to shake out so we can start seeing things for what they are, the best way possible, so that we can spread what the vitamin L that we do here, the love. That is also integral part of the Advanced Medicine Monday that we do here, Dr. Batar. Thank you once again. We got to go. Uh, lots more healing to go this week. Crazy stuff happening. Uh, but, you know, we're here to cover it, and we'll be back next week with more Advanced Medicine Monday. In the meantime, check it all out at robertscottbell.com, medicalrewind.com, and more. Hope to see you at Advanced Medicine Seminar in Phoenix with Dr. Batar. The power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Robert Scott Bell Show.